0: This is talking about the fellowship of the believers. You know, with everything happening in our culture, with everything happening in our world right now, uh, I may be wrong in this, but for many churches... This is almost like a reboot. This is like a rethink, because we're having to rethink strategy. And how do we move forward? You know, How do we do what we're doing uh, with excellence? And how do we do what we do in power, sitting in a living room? Well, in fact, this is exactly how the church began. In Acts chapter two and verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul, So the awe is not about lights, not about stages, not about any of those things. The awe is about us breaking bread and having fellowship. This is how we as the body of Christ, having some incredible, incredible times, awe is Came upon them simply by meeting in a living room around a table. So maybe the awe that we have with other things with large crowds is very different from the awe that came upon the uh, the local church uh, in the New Testament. Now I'm so grateful for our large gatherings. Don't get me wrong; we're not going to forsake that uh, to do this. It's going to it'll be hard to get a couple hundred people in this small room, uh, and trust me, they will be upset if we try to only keep out a few people. So, and that's a good thing when you have people not happy that uh, they cannot meet. That's a good thing. So, Anyway, all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, who are being saved. So, it's really awesome, isn't it? I love how they met at temple, but they met in homes. It's exactly the model of the New Testament church. Well, today guys, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 26 and the title of my message today is called Overgrown. Overgrown, Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to just work through this and um, dig into some Word here together. Matthew chapter 26. It feels very bizarre having a microphone on sitting in a chair teaching like this, Uh, but is everything working over there okay, bro? We got good audio and everything. Everybody can hear online. Very good. This is our first time to do this. Hopefully our last But we shall see. (laughs) We shall see. Uh, Someone commented yesterday when they came down and looking at all the setup, they went, wow, we had no idea what it takes to simply do a church service in the 21st century. It is a lot. And so nonetheless, uh, thank you to those who made this happen. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, verse 36. Um, Then Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. I could preach right there about go over there. Just go over there. Sometimes you just got to go over there away from everybody else to pray. Amen. He said, go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as you, as your will be done. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to them, So could you not watch? Everybody say watch. Everybody online say watch. You know me. i got to hear you all even online, okay? Um, he said, Watch with me one hour. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. Now, let's go on down to verse 45, okay? Actually, let's just keep right there with it, okay? Verse 42. Again, for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And and again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I got a story to tell you. So uh, I want to tell you that something's going on on my phone. I see what's going on. It's It's uh, showing up. I can hear the volume of the live stream on my phone. I was like, how do I hear myself preaching in an echo? I'm in an echo chamber, but nonetheless. So I want to tell you there's a really neat story about the very first Christians in Africa. And this tribe, uh, basically this tribe was a, a group of people who had these things called prayer paths. And a prayer path was when the very first Christians in Africa, uh, when this tribe formed, what they would do is to know uh, how to engage. They had these things called prayer paths, and they would leave where they were going and walk down a place that their own feet had cut a path out. And so it looked like... Uh, just a muddy path where they would walk and just where you know if you're in the south you know what a deer path looks like it's just a small little path you can see where the deer uh, move this is the same way it would be a small path where they would go and their feet would just trample down the grass trample down the weeds the whole nine yards well they had a tradition they had a tradition of knowing when one of their fellow tribesmen was not praying because this thing would be this prayer cave, or this prayer walk, or this prayer path, whatever they would do to get into prayer, whenever they would see one of the paths growing up with grass, they would walk over, and I want to read you the exact statement. They would walk over to uh, the person that um, was not praying the way that they should, and they would walk over to them and say, friend, there's grass on your path. Friend, there's grass on your path. And these things again, they were called prayer rooms and their prayer room was something that was so devoted that the path would be worn out at all times. But when the grass would grow up, friends, there's grass on your path. Now, here's the thing. I know that where we are in our culture with everything happening with coronavirus, with all the things we're dealing with, I wanted to talk about this, but not in a negative sense. One of the things I don't like doing is when we have a national tragedy or we have something bad in our world happen, Everything seems to go dark and negative, particularly with doomsdayers, particularly with the end times, uh, the whole message of the end times, which, again, Jesus said the end times have been happening since the day he announced his ministry. So we've been in end times for a long time. Yeah, so, and I love what Jensen Franklin says. Jensen says the end times are not happening to the church. The church is happening to the end times. somebody say amen to that yeah and so uh, I didn't want to go negative on this but I also wanted to speak about something today that I think Jesus was teaching us in Matthew chapter 26 and so we're gonna focus on a few things now I do want to say something in the face of the unknown we often fear we often fear things and we fear the unknown and I said this in a, a video that I had shot just the other day, uh, talking about what, what is going on in our country uh, and around the world. And I put this, we fear the unknown even though we have experienced the known God. We fear the unknown even though we experienced the known God. And let me tell you what happens when we fear. A lot of things happen when we fear. And one of those things is we begin to fear and we also begin to criticize. Fear is like a birthing ground of criticism. We fear and criticize, and these are two elements that are always in play in times like these. We criticize what we cannot understand, especially when fear is leading the way. Does that make sense? Uh, we even I, I, we've made jokes about people racking up all this toilet paper, which obviously is a little odd, seeing how it has nothing to do with it. But in the minds, we but in our own minds, we can in our minds think. What is causing them, what kind of fear is driving them to have a behavior that doesn't necessarily link itself to the thing that's happening? But that's what fear does. And so we begin to criticize it. But I'm going to tell you, when it comes to fear uh, in our own lives and the things that we criticize the most, one of the statements that I always keep in my mind is this. It's always easier to criticize than it is to confront. To confront it in our own lives. It's easier to criticize the behavior of others when they're leaving their life, living their life by fear, uh, rather than looking at our own selves and confront the areas of, of our life that we're driven in fear as well. Amen? It's easier to criticize than it is to confront. You see, I watch others criticize because they fear more than I do, or I have this idea that they fear more than I do. So it's easier to criticize them because they may have a fear that's completely different than me. The truth is, it's always easier to criticize something I'm not doing. Yeah, it's always easier to criticize someone who's sinning the way I have stopped sinning yeah it's always easier to judge someone who is sinning the way I used to but I no longer do now yeah that's the, the easy way to do it so we criticize that and the truth is a lot of times it is the things that we do that are reckless when we are criticizing people it is kind of reckless because it harms the people that really are doing the very best they can with the information that they have so what does fear do fear also cloaks itself in a faux faith We often cloak fear in faux faith. What do I mean by that? Well, truth be told, we know how to talk it, but do we know how to confess it? We know how to talk this thing. We even, excuse me, we know how to talk it, and we also know how to confess it, but what happens when we're asked to show the thing that we talk and confess? So what we do is we use our Christianese, our language, to kind of put this thing in a faux faith. It's, it's not necessarily real faith. It sounds faith. It sounds, uh, it sounds spirit-filled. But the truth is, many times what will happen is our faith is so diminished by the fear that tries to make its encroachment upon our life. And so that we start confessing things uh, really out of habit and really out of what we've learned uh, to do instead of it being something way down deep inside of us that when we confess the word of the Lord, are we confessing it out of some place of memory or are we confessing it out of this is what we really believe? This is who we really are. This is what we really believe. And unfortunately, I think in this situation, the church a lot of times is confessing faux faith. Why? Because we have everything on Instagram. But yet, it's the, hey, love thy neighbor thing until it becomes to our neighbor being sick or in need or in really big trouble. Or I'm sorry, they need toilet paper. That's my toilet paper, right? <laughs> it's my toilet paper. So it's faux faith, right? So I'm just setting up a little idea here just about the, 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 the difference between faith and fear here and what, faith, what fear will often do in our lives. You go, what does this have to do with Jesus? Well, I'm about to tell you when it has to do with the scripture that we just read. So here's the thing, guys. Jesus gave us a very unique command through his disciples and he told them to watch. And then he said, watch and pray, watch and watch and pray. You see, Jesus gives us this idea that whenever something awful is about to happen to us, because you understand Jesus is about to enter into this time of complete and total devastation of his body, right? And um, he knows what's about to happen in his life, but he tells the disciples, here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna give you a formula. I'm gonna give you a way to work this thing and here's what I want you guys to do Now, notice he didn't ask everybody to do this there was only three guys that could actually handle this kind of conversation because the truth be told not everybody's going to do exactly what Christ said in this Christ said in this moment we don't have they just don't have the mental awareness or even the spiritual maturity to be able to simply do what he's asking but I want to tell you but because of the blood of Jesus because of the crucifixion because of the resurrection I'm challenging us that we can all be uh, really engage with what Jesus is asking us to do, and what is that? Watch and pray. Now, I've got this little point that I want to share with you. Watching without prayer weakens the flesh and drains the spirit. Watching without prayer weakens the flesh and drains the spirit. Now, let me let me let me talk about this for a moment, okay? You see, for us in the 21st century, watching isn't about sitting around waiting for our enemy to make its encroachment upon our lives. Watching with us starts with a mobile device, starts with a television screen, starts with a social media post, starts with an internet, starts with the internet, starts with a specific website that you may glean glean information from. So watching for us is not just about watching and waiting for something to happen. Watching for us is literally the thing that we consume hours of every single day. So my question is, what are we watching that we aren't praying about? What are we watching that we aren't praying about? Because, see, watching without prayer weakens the flesh and drains the spirit. Now the very thing that Jesus was wanting them to watch and pray against, the fear that would overtake them in that moment, is actually going to happen. And we see this. This is why I'm trying to tie fear into the best I can into this message. Because if we watch without prayer, fear will rule the day. Fear will rule the day. So prayer, i let me give you the next one here. So watching without prayer weakens the flesh and drains the spirit. But here's the thing. Prayer without watching weakens precise prayer. See, I would, if I'm honest with you, I'm the guy that would probably err just a little bit side on the pray without watching because I don't want to know. Can we all be honest here? Say, Sometimes I just don't want to know, man. I just don't want to know the worst case scenario. But here's the thing. How can I pray about something if I'm not aware of it? If I, As my friend Jeff would say, we can't bury our heads in the sand over this stuff. If I bury my head in the sand, how can I pray? Because the truth is, instead of burying our head in the sand, we might want to bury our heart in the Spirit. Did you hear me? Instead of burying our head in the sand, we might want to bury our heart in the Spirit. Because now I know how to pray. The Spirit of God can pray through me and for me. The Spirit of God can pray prayers that myself would never in a million years come up with. But if I'm not aware of how to pray, I'll be praying like just kind of boxing at the air, as James would call it, right? We pray pray and we pray amiss, right? So prayer without watching weakens precise prayer. So what I want to tell you, there must be a balance between watching and praying. There must be a balance between watching and praying praying. Now let me make sure that I don't move past this here on my notes, okay? Yeah, so the reason I watch the reason I watch is so that I know how to pray. Now I have a target. Does that make sense? Now I have a place for my prayers to go rather than me, rather than me just saying well, Lord, I just hope this old country stays together. First of all, that's a prayer of defeat. It's a, it's, it's a hopeless prayer. We say the word hope, but it sounds hopeless. But if we know how our prayers are going to be prayed, if we know what we're going to be praying, it's much more powerful when we know the specific area at which those prayers need to be targeted. Again, this is why I advocate so much for people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit of God can pray through me what I never know what to pray in the flesh. He prays the mystery. Because when I don't know, He knows. You know, the prayer, the Holy Spirit has never prayed a wrong prayer. Did you hear me? The Holy Spirit has never given you misinformation. Do y'all hear me? Come on now. Now, I'm going to share a story here that's a little crazy, but y'all, y'all know me. I remember a long time, Perry Stone, who is an evangelist, um, Perry's out there, which I love Perry, though. He's, 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 he's awesome. I've been in a lot of services with Perry. But Perry's dad, Fred Stone, had a phenomenal prayer life. Of course, and so does Perry, apparently, just by the fruit of his ministry. But Fred Stone, one time, uh, the Lord took him into a place in the Spirit. He would call it a spiritual trance, according to what would happen to the apostles in the Bible, where he just kind of froze in the Spirit, and the Lord showed him where Osama bin Laden was. And in fact, he called the White House and shared, here is where you're going to find him. And guess where they found him? No, not Osama bin Laden. um, uh, um, Saddam Hussein. Yeah, Saddam Hussein. Yeah, Uh, Saddam Hussein. And guess where they found him? Exactly where Fred Stone said that he was. Why? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't miss information. The Holy Spirit does not miss information. So that's a wild story for some of you. I want that kind of Holy Ghost. I want that kind of knowledge. I don't need to know where terrorists are. I just need to know how to pray for my kids. Amen? I don't need to know that. You know what I need to know? Holy Spirit, is my children in danger while they're in school? Are my children in danger while they're driving the car when they get their license? God knows they probably are just because they have a license because I knew how I drove. Right? But nonetheless, God, how, how can you pray through me the will? You know the Holy Spirit's never prayed against the will of God for your life. Now think about that. He prays perfect prayers. That's why the power of the praying in the Spirit is so important. Dustin, uh, if you would, you'll have to help me on the slides. My phone uh, messed up. So, so that's the first reason. The reason, is so I, the reason I watch is so that I know how to pray. The next thing is the reason I pray is because I have watched. It's because I have watched. Church, hear me. Please stop watching something you're not going to pray about if you're going to be in fear turn it off did you know now this is amazing right here i'm going to show you something there's a new feature on iphone 11. watch this if i'll do this right here and hold this down i can just turn the whole thing off i can turn that off isn't that amazing can y'all believe they put that feature right on your device that's bringing fear into your life isn't that amazing i can shut the computer i'm not going to right now we'll really be lost Uh, But it's amazing. Sometimes we've got to turn off the noise. But here's the thing. If you're not going to turn off the noise, at least pray through the noise so that your whole life is not ravaged by fear. See, here's the thing. I'm going to make a very strong statement here. If we are posting more about the bad than the good, you've missed the opportunity to share good news of the gospel. No wonder the bad is outweighing the good for people because we talk that more than we say, but God. If we could add a but God into our statement, maybe the whole climate of our country would change and people would rise up in faith. People would rise up in faith. So, the reason I pray is because I have watched. Now, I love this one here. I wanted to flip this thing around a little bit, okay? Now, this is this stuff excites me right here, okay? Watch and pray so that you can pray and watch. Now, now think about this. Watch and pray so that you can pray and watch. So I take information, a person's sick, coronavirus, a person's uh, facing divorce, a, a, a child is being, uh, a child is being bullied. Whatever situation you want to turn this into here, You watch it, you pray, and then what happens? You pray, and then you get to sit back and watch God do what you prayed. You got it, didn't you? We get to sit back and go, Ooh, he's moving on the power of my prayer. My prayer is actually working. You know, I think a lot of times we blame God for unanswered prayers is because we didn't pray the will of God. We prayed the will of man. Jesus even was tempted to do this. If it's possible... Would you please let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Jesus taught us, you're going to have a proclivity to lean on the side of the flesh that says, God, please don't let my grandmother die. Please don't let my dad die. Please don't let this happen in my life. Please protect. And God is saying... I'm working something out with them that you'll never understand in this life. If you'll focus on praying the will of God for your life, you'll be able to handle when the tragedy does come. Come on now. See, prayer changes things in me. (laughs) Come on now. Prayer changes things in me. It changes my perspective It changes how I handle tragedy, how I handle pain. Now, does prayer change things? Yes, things that are involved in His will. It's people praying uh, for that lost person to get saved, and they keep refusing Jesus, and they die without Jesus. That's not on you. That's not on God. That's on their inability to say yes to the will of God. That doesn't mean I stop praying. But I learned to pray according to the will and the word of God. Another thought here is if you'll pray the word of God, you'll never go wrong. Because the word of God is the will of God. The word of God is the will of God. So I've got to ask you, while we're watching, I have a question for you. Where are your eyes? Where are your eyes in this moment? What are you focused on? What's the thing that you're leaning into visually more than anything else? What are you watching more than anything else? What are your eyes and just, you know, your, the eyes are the gate to your soul. It's an eye gate. You have an ear gate, an eye gate. These things right here, what I hear, you know, somebody says um, faith comes by hearing. The Word of God says that, right? Faith comes by hearing. You know what else comes by hearing? Fear. So it's not just about the hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, not the Word of Fox News. Not the word of CNN, not the word of MSNBC, not the word of whatever. Faith will only be built by and through the word of God. So it's not just about hearing, it's about hearing the right things in our life. Amen? So, where are your eyes? Where are your ears? I'm going to ask you, where are your eyes? Psalm 121 says this, I lift up my eyes to the heels. From where does my help come? It's asking a question. So where do I get my help from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Where are your eyes? Where have we placed our focus? Next, I want to ask you, where are your prayers? Where are your prayers? The scripture tells us in Psalm 141, 2, let my prayer be counted as incense. Everybody say incense. Let my prayers be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands, the evening sacrifice. So prayer and surrender, prayer and worship. Where are your prayers? So I want you to imagine with me your prayers when you release those, that they're, they're floating up out of your mouth like a cloud. Imagine that when I release my prayers, they're going to heaven like a cloud. I have a question for you. If your prayer produced a real cloud, would there be any shade over your life? If the amount of prayers that you pray according to God's will were a physical cloud, could people see it? Would people experience the shade that a cloud provides if they had to depend on your prayers and on my prayers? Or do we only pray when a virus hits? Do we only pray when the bank account gets low? Because I wonder often... If in the church in America, instead of it being a cloud, is it just a fine mist of emergency prayers? Next thing I'd ask you about this. If prayer was a path, could we find yours? Because you remember the story earlier about the pathway. Brian, if you want to come on up, bro. It's the shortest sermon they've ever experienced at the table.
1: <laughs>
0: hmm. Remember the the, the the little story about the first Christians in Africa? Their prayer rooms were carved out by taking time to walk every single day into prayer. And if someone realized someone's prayer path was being grown up, they would say there's grass on your path. How much grass is in your path? How much grass is in your path? You know what the grass is? Bad news over good news. You know what the grass is? Greediness over generosity. What are the? What is the grass? What is the grass and the weeds in your life that is growing up over your prayer path? Now I'm gonna just be honest with you. My personality is extreme. I know that's hard for y'all to believe. <laughs> I'm either in or out up or down right vertical or horizontal bent right or bent left (laughs) crippled or walking if you don't get that it's because I have a bad foot (laughs) okay so often my personality is that I'll go for days without thinking about prayer the way that I should now I'm just being vulnerable here with you because it's I feel a little hypocritical if I'm being honest with you to pray about to to preach about something that I too struggle with. Now I love to worship. don't get me wrong. I worship consistently but if if worship and prayer were the same thing, he wouldn't have called them two different things. So what if we were to make a commitment that we're going to stamp out? and stomp out the weeds on the path of prayer for our country. For those watching online, maybe you have a prayer request that you go, the reason my life is so messed up is because the weeds have overtaken my path. The grass has turned into thorns. The thorns have turned into vines. And quite honestly, Matt, I don't even know where the path is anymore. You know the thing about a prayer path? No one else can pray on your path but you. No one else can de-weed your path. Only you can do that. So what if in the face of fear this week, we were to say to the enemy of our life, you're going to be stomped out this week. I'm going to pray you out of my marriage. I'm going to pray you out of my bank account. You know what I mean by that? In other words, you're going to have to change your mind about the way you spend money. God will not commit a felony on your behalf and put money in your bank account for you. (laughs) He won't rob anybody. So maybe when we're praying over our money, Lord, don't change my bank account, change my heart. Praying over your children. Stop praying your will of what you wish your children would be and say, God, whatever you've created them to be. Bring them into that fullness. And I feel the Holy Spirit here today. You go, Matt, I've never even started a prayer path. Today's a great start to clearing some things out. Today's a great day to begin. You know what's wild about it? Once you get started, the more and more you do it, the easier it gets. And once it becomes so natural, just keep walking it. Don't back up. As the Scripture would say, we are not those who shrink back. I'm having to make a new commitment in my life to not just to watch, but also to pray. It's one thing to say I don't live in fear. It's easy to do that when you live in ignorance. I don't want us to be ignorant of what our world is facing. I'm not asking you to be political, I'm asking you to be powerful. I'm asking you to pray. Whether we have a Democrat or Republican in the White House, pray for your president. I know what my preference is. I have my preferences for the White House. But my main concern is if I am I really praying for that person. You say, well, I pray that they be removed or I pray that What about just praying for their heart to be changed? And and you know what what I've realized about things like that? The true nature of what you believe about prayer is really seen when we say things like, well, my prayer isn't going to help. So you preach a thing we don't believe. We talk a thing that we don't practice. James says the effectual fervent prayer. Not the weak need. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Your prayers matter. you go, but I prayed and nothing happened. I've preached and nothing's happened. Join the club. I do it every Sunday and people don't change. Because it can take consistency. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock. Keep going back until you see it happen. And either God will change that thing or He will change that thing in you. Either way, the will of God has been done. The struggle with preaching is that you really think people are going to do it. So I believe in you this week that you're not going to let fear rule the day that you're going to create a new prayer path. And I dare us to hold each other accountable. I dare you. When people have more negativity coming out of their mouth, you know what you've got to say to them? Friend, there's grass on your path. When people have more drama than they do peace, friend, there's grass on your path. When you have more days that are ravaged by lack of peace than those that are full of peace, friend, there's grass on your path. I don't feel like praying Then just stay miserable. Stay miserable and stay defeated, but don't blame God because there's weeds and grass on your path. Is this too much? I cannot complain and bless the Lord at the same time. Job said whether I live or whether I die, blessed be the name of the Lord. Whether my marriage makes it or whether it doesn't, blessed be the name of the Lord. Whether I'm healed in my body or healed when I get to heaven, blessed be the name of the Lord. Whether I get through this tragedy or whether this tragedy breaks me in half, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Maybe he's using the tragedy to break you in half or you can depend on him finally. You can finally surrender. He says the rock can fall on you. He says you can fall on the rock and be broken or the rock will fall on you and crush you to powder. Either way, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If anybody in their lifetime has had means and measure to hate God, you're looking at him. Let me give you a real quick version. I grew up in a broken home with a mother who was married eight times. She was an addict of men, drugs, and alcohol. Eight times. My mother asked me to smoke pot with her when I was 11 years old. As crazy as my life is now, I should have taken her up on it. I'm just joking. Don't You don't have to clip this one thing out and put it on YouTube. It's just a joke. So, in 1993, my grandmother and I were leaving a haunted trail in Argo, Alabama. And a drunk driver comes up behind us and hits us and kills my grandmother. Now my grandmother was my mother because my mom left when I was 14 months old. The one that was married eight times left when I was 14 months old, gave me to my grandmother. My grandmother became my mom and she gave me Jesus. So she was everything to me. And everything to me was taken because one person made a selfish decision to get drunk on Halloween night in 1993. It was at that very moment that Jesus wrapped his arms around me at 13 years old and saved me in a kudzu patch. Y'all know what kudzu's good for? Ain't good for nothing but getting saved in. That's it. I met Jesus on the side of a highway. Three years later, I'm laying in my bed. Four o'clock in the morning, my father wakes me up and says, son, I'm sorry to tell you, your mother's just been killed in a car accident. Two years before my grandmother and I were in the car accident where she died, my grandfather dies. Of alcoholism and colon cancer in the hospital. He was—he found Jesus before he died. Or Jesus found him. Just the way he found me. Like you're in a soup Both of my great grandparents die in that same time. And every, whenever you uh, are raised by your grandparents. Everything moves down a generation. So now my great grandparents are like my grandparents. So I have a close relationship with them. Now they're gone. One of my dearest friends commits suicide in his church office in this same time. So from the time I was 11 years old to 16 years old, I lost everything. 21 years old, I get married. Seven months later, my wife decides I don't want to live this life of faith and she leaves me and divorces me. 25 years old, My wife, Amber, whom I've been married to almost 16 years now, we have a molar pregnancy where the baby grows as a fetus, but then eventually, potentially rather, can turn into a lump of cancer. She hemorrhages on the table and we lose our first child. I've gotten fired from three church jobs. Two of them I needed to be fired. One of them was unexpected and very painful. The first one was I was 19. I was a terrible youth pastor. I tried it again, was terrible again. I'm sharing all this with you because of the amount of loss in my life. I've almost lost a home. I've lost two cars in my life. I'm giving you all the ugly because everybody sees Amber and I cuddle up on the couch, borderline making out on Facebook Live. It's hard not to, I'm going to tell you. All of that came at a great price. I almost lost my marriage five years ago, I destroyed my wife's heart. So you're looking at a guy who has lost everything and then some except thankfully my marriage. So I have every right in the world to say, God if you would just have, I don't know why I'm sharing this, at this point but it has nothing to do with watching prayer, maybe it does. just want to remind you that He is with you. He is for you. And in the face of your most awful pain and tragedy, I want you to do this with me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There's two types of pain in life. The pain of doing God's will or the pain of not doing God's will. You got to pick your pain, baby. One will fulfill you. The other one will destroy you. Pick your pain. One pain is glorious because I have a Savior who says, come to me all of you who are, I'm gonna put some words in here, broken, busted, disgusted, toe up from the floor up, jacked up, addicted, confused, fearful, angry. And he said, I'll give you rest. He says, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know why he's saying that? Because you're not carrying the yoke by yourself. I'm partnering with you to carry a heavy thing. So how do I know if I'm carrying it by myself if it's heavy and hard as opposed to easy and light? You go, man, is it that serious? It's that intense? It's that real? You can carry it by yourself or you can surrender your life to Him and say, I don't know how you're going to fix this crap. But God, instead of fixing all the crap around me, would you just start with me? Would you just start with me, Jesus? Holy Spirit, we honor you in this room. Lord, we feel you're at the heat of your power in this room. Can we just worship him for just a moment? Just lift your hands, even though you're at home, it doesn't matter. You should have a worship environment in your home, regardless. We bless the name of the Lord today. are waymaker, miracle worker promise keeper in the darkness Brittany come grab that microphone and sing that song, make sure we got audio Dustin he's a way maker, he's a bless you Jesus, he's making a way for you right now, I want you to know that this week you're going to watch and pray, and you're going to watch and pray, and you're going to watch and pray, and you're gonna watch and pray and then you're going to pray and watch God do what you've prayed in Jesus' name.
1: Light in the darkness, my God,
0: that is who you are, way maker,
1: way miracle worker,
0: promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you
1: are. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you
0: are. No matter what we face, that is who you are. That is who you are.
1: That is who you are. That is who you are. Even when, even when I don't see it you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never, never stop, stop. You never stop working. You never, never stop. You never, never stop, stop working. working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Let's all stand you together in this stop. room. Let's you never stop working. Even, Even when I, I don't, don't see it, you're working. It, you're working. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who, that
0: is who you are, who you are.
1: Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you
0: are. Father, we bless you today and thank you so much for being a waymaker to us. Thank you for the good things you're doing in our lives. And Father, we do pray for every person that potentially could be infected or affected by this coronavirus. And by the way, by the authority of the Holy Spirit, we take authority over every, every strain, every bit of this virus, and we curse you in the name of Jesus. We curse this virus and we downcast it in Jesus' name. We tear this thing down by the Spirit and say, you will not infect and affect our country to a detrimental state. In fact, we just go ahead and push you back in Jesus' name, in faith. And Father, those who are sick from it, Father, we speak a word of healing. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, you sent your word and healed them and delivered them out of our destruction. If we've ever faced destruction, this is the moment. But the Lord is saying, you will not infect. in destruction, but you will see my glory, you will see my will performed in the midst of this. So Father, thank you today that we will see you do. We will watch and see because we have watched and prayed in Jesus' name. Come on, let's celebrate the Lord. Come on. Come on, those of you watching online, clap your hands even in your living room right there and thank Him for what He's doing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.